Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. All right, we are in week three of real relationships, and we're just discussing relationships all month long and also next week here at the City Church. Week one, we had a guest in Levi Mary Church, and he's talked about forgiveness. Such an important message. If you missed that message, please go back, check it out online through our podcast and also through our church app. For you to have any type of long-term relationship at all in life, you need to learn how to forgive. And he did such a great job of talking to us about that. And then we had our marriage event couple weekends ago, and that was a fantastic uh, time also. And then last week, I talked about parenting, such an important topic for all of us, honoring our parents, and then also how to be uh, applying some scriptural principles, how to be good parents, or as best as that we can be. But today, I'm going to talk to you about an area of relationships that is so important for all of us, uh, and it's learning to be an encourager. Now, what we're going to be talking about today as you as a friend not the other people. Now, anytime I, I know we do a relationship series, it's very easy to elbow your neighbor and to think your neighbor needs to do certain things or hear certain things, or you wish your aunt was here you know, this morning. She really needs to hear this. But when we're talking about relationships, there's, there's always a 50-50 proposition, and you are half of the problem in the relationship all of the time. Now, I know you think the other person is the problem all of the time, and they have issues, and they grew up wrong, and whatever, a thousand different and one things, but what I'm going to be talking to you today about is like, who can we be in the context of our relationships, in the context of our parenting relationships, in the context of our friendships, in the context of our marriage, that we have a big role to play on how our relationships are going, how they are turning out. And how well I function in the context of my relationships will be determined by the words I say. The words you say in the context of relationships are so very, very important. Now, I know our actions are, are, are meaningful and important, and I'm, and I'm not discounting that, but I'm just focusing on the words that we say um, and how they can make or break our relationships, friendships, parenting relationships, coworker relationships, all of the different areas that we have relationships. And the question that we're going to be asking ourselves is what type of person will I be in the context of all of my relationships? And the scripture tells us this, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, famous verse, so hard to do. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, we can kill our relationships with the words we say, or we can give them life. And if we learn this principle, we're going to eat the fruit. We're going to eat the, pros- the positive fruit of learning to apply this principle to say good and meaningful and important words, positive words, encouraging words in the context of our relationships, or we could just kill our relationships through the words that you say. Can you remember a time where you ever killed a relationship relationship with the words you said? Now, I know that you can remember how someone else did it to you. I'm not talking about them right now, but can you remember a time when you said a stupid thing? 
Can you remember? Come on, let's just be honest in church today. The rest of you are just a lion at 9.33. You've done this. We've all done this. We've all said the wrong thing at the wrong time. I was remembering yesterday, and I told the story a long time ago, but I remember yesterday when I was thinking about this, I remember back in Bible school, I, sometimes I can be sarcastic. It's kind of my love language. Um, and so, but it doesn't always work out. Any sarcastic people know what I'm talking about? You could be misunderstood as like, oh, I'm being serious in this moment. And then when you are being serious, people don't know if you're being serious, so it's not always great. Um, so anyway, I was sitting watching a volleyball game with one of my buddies in Bible school, and he was dating a girl, and he just happened to be wearing pink running shoes. Okay, whatever, no problem, no judgment here. Um, and so I just said to him, I said, it's great that you could share your shoes with your girlfriend. <laughs> it's just a joke, you know what I mean? Just felt like a good thing to say in the moment. It made me laugh. But he did not take it well. Like, he legitimately got up and walked away from me. He's like, oh, Brad, I can't believe you said that, and blah, blah, blah. Recently, he unfriended me on Facebook. I don't know. I don't know if it was like an echo thing from 25 years ago that he remembered that I insulted his shoes. But I went to his Facebook page to see if we were still friends, and we weren't. And he had red running shoes on, so... Toned it down a little bit. Anyway... But we, we can learn in all of our relationships to speak good things or to speak negative things, death things, in the context of our relationships. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 says this, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. And once again, friends, it's so easy to think that the problem is with the other person. What is wrong with them? Why did they say that? Why do they think this? And, and do you know what the problem is with the other person in the context of your parenting relationship, your friendships, your marriage, co-working? Do you know what the problem is in the context of those relationships is they are just like you. They don't always say the right thing, just like you don't always say the right thing. But what the verse is telling us here is that we should be showing ourselves friendly not just judging the validity of somebody else's relational abilities in my life. And they're this type of friend and they're this type of friend and they're this and, you know, they're 95% and they're an 80% and they're a 75%. No, it's easy to do that and it's kind of a waste of time, but this is so much more important that we would be friendly. That we would be the one, that we would be the one choosing to bring life words to the relationship, regardless of what they do, regardless of how they act. Because once again, we can get stuck there. We can, why are they like this? How, how could they possibly do this to me? But I'm going to show myself friendly. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says this, do all things without grumbling and disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Do all things without grumbling and disputing, in other words, complaining, and that includes relationships. Because it's just easy to complain about our friends. It's just easy to complain about our spouse. Can I get an amen? It's just easy. 
because we, we live with this person and we see all of their faults up close every day all the time. But what, is, what the scripture is, is telling us that we would, the way we would function in our relationships, we would just move from the easy thing, which would be just complaining. That I could just complain about this person. That we, it's easy to find the faults, right? It's easy to see the blemishes on somebody else and it's easy to bring attention to those things. But then for us to function in a kingdom way, that we wouldn't be doing that. See, and even there's so much discourse in the world today in so many different realms, including the political realm, that if you have a discussion with anybody, it's just very easy for vitriol to start, for super angry, frustrated words. But this wouldn't be operating in kingdom ways. This would be, we would need to learn to speak life in the context of our relationship. Now, that doesn't mean we can't disagree with somebody because we do disagree with people. But we don't have to be disagreeable and to be angry and frustrated. Just, hey, I, I can speak words that disagree with you, but I can speak them in a life-giving way. I don't, I don't all, you and I don't always don't have to agree about everything. My wife and I don't always agree about everything. We are completely different in every way imaginable. And, and we, we could draw attention to those differences constantly. We could just constantly complain about each other. But we are deciding, and we, it's a constant journey in all relationships that we have that I'm going to choose to speak life. I'm going to choose to be the type of friend that other people want. Because for us to have friends, I have to show myself friendly. So we want to talk about some things really important along these lines. We want to, um, instead of bringing just complaints to our relationships, we can speak life and we can speak peace and we can speak forgiveness and we can speak encouragement because it will make or break our relationships. It'll make or break them and we don't want to break them. We don't want to be looking back at our lives and just seeing a litany of broken relationships. We have to change the words we say to stop that, to interrupt that process in our lives. See, there's a great potential in the words that we say. James chapter three, verse two says this, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able to bridle his, his whole body. So in other words, too, then what the verse is telling us that we don't always say the right thing. But it also shows how important our words are. Verse three, if we put bits in the mouths of the horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. They are so large and are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder, whatever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. Comparatively speaking, our tongue is a small piece of our body, but man, we can do some damage with our tongue. Are you out there this morning? It, it boasts of great potential. It's directing our lives. It's the example is that we, we steer horses by changing the direction of their mouth. We steer a boat by the direction of the rudder. And this is what the scripture is telling us. That is what our tongue is. 
So how are we steering our relationships with the words we say? Listen, I know the other person that you're friends with and married to, they're imperfect. I get it on side with you. But you also are the 50% of the problem. And we want to use our words in a positive direction so we would steer our lives in the direction that we want our relationships to go. So also, the tongue, a small member, yet it boasts great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. There's a lot of potential in your tongue, right? So we could set fires with our tongue, or we can actually put them out. We can change the direction of situations and relationships by the words that we say. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our, fa- our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people. We are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives and a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So once again, our words, forget about what other people say right now, that we can, with our words, that we can have fresh water come out of our mouths or we can have salty water come out of our mouths and we'll change the course of our relationships. We could say this or we could say this. And if we could tame our tongue, it's going to make a big difference in our lives. It's going to make a huge difference in our relationships. So our words, listen, our words set the course of our relationships. Our words can be beneficial or harmful in the context of our relationships. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 says this. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. But the one who prophesies speaks to, uh, speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And I'm going to take a second and just talk about this idea of prophecy, that the scripture tells us here that all of us should desire to prophesy. Now, depending on your your church background or, or whatever you would think about this word, I don't actually have enough time this morning to say all of the things that I've experienced in my background related to this idea. Now, prophecy can scare people. Prophecy um, can make people nervous. Um, and, and I would say in my lifetime of being a part of church, this thing gets abused more than anything, this idea of prophecy. And, so, and when we say this word prophecy, a lot of times we just say, well, I'm going to predict somebody's future. And this is what we think a prophet would be. We would see an Old Testament prophet and they would be operating a certain way. And then we would see the same gift operating in the New Testament. And New Testament prophets are operating differently than Old Testament prophets. 
um, we would see that only in the Old Testament we could say that the prophet, priest, and king were the only ones that were speaking forth by the Holy Spirit, but then all of us in the New Testament have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Now, I'm saying and I'm agreeing with these verses that all of us can prophesy, but that doesn't mean all of us are prophets. Can I get an amen? amen? You aren't one. Just so you know. Neither am I. And somebody's like, well, how do you know? <laughs> Biblically, in the New Testament, all people that we would see that would be designated in prophets would have a preaching and teaching, teaching ministry. So that's not you. I love you, but it's not you. You're not a prophet, so relax. And I would say a lot. I got a lot to say about this, but in a little time. As your pastor... Yeah, you can do, you're free. Okay, you're free to do whatever you want. But I would encourage you to never go to a meeting that's advertising a personal prophecy for everybody in attendance. Now, you're free, but my recommendation to you is don't go. Well, why would you say that, Pastor Brown? Uh, Because just simply put, we don't actually see that in the New Testament at all, anywhere. The Apostle Paul, who wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament, never had a personal prophecy meeting. Jesus. Are we good with Jesus, Christians? Jesus never had, hey, disciples, we're going to organize a personal prophecy meeting. Let's gather everybody around and I'm going to predict their future. So we'll be good with Jesus and the Apostle Paul. So in 2020, anybody that says that, just no, 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 some sort of falseness to it. And especially when it's $100. (laughs) And like I said, I've seen over the years, I've seen... This gets misused so much. And this is the easiest one of all of the gifts of the Spirit to misuse because we can just pretend we're predicting somebody's future. Because once again, this is how we're narrowly defining the word prophecy. I'm going to redefine it. I'm not, I'm not going to redefine it. The scripture is actually going to define it. And then it needs to be redefined in our mind. Now, once again, I've seen this terribly used. I, I saw one couple, one time, one young couple, there was a, and this always happens. And, and this, will, this has happened from time to time. And it will happen again, sadly, in the future. There will be some buddy in the body of Christ who will predict Jesus' return. And you could just mark it down that it won't be that date. Very simply, the scripture says, no man knows the day or the hour. So let's just go with that. So don't worry about it. There was a book written in 1988 that said 88 reasons why Jesus is returning in 1988. And then your future is ruined. There's no... There's no future in predicting the future for people. Now, we as humans, we have a desire for these things. We have a desire to know what the future holds. And this is why we see things like palm reading, tarot cards, astrology. And then when it creeps into the church, it's prophet so-and-so. Now, 
prophet, once again, is a New Testament, a New Testament gift, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is a real thing, once again, in the body of Christ. But all of the New Testament prophets that we see, they all have a pulpit ministry, a preaching and teaching ministry. They're not roving the countryside predicting people's futures. So what is a great New Testament description of what a prophecy is? Let's read it here. Let's just read the scripture. If we could just read the scripture. Verse three, but the one who prophesies speaks to people strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. You all can do that. Now, what didn't make the list is predict your future. Come on now. Are you with me today? Now, but all of those things have to do with your future. And if you think about it like this, any words that are going to strengthen somebody, encourage somebody, and comfort somebody... They're only about your future. The only words that you can say to somebody relating to these things are about their future. Are you with me today? And so what God wants us all to prophesy. You're not a prophet. Don't get the big head. Don't get arrogant. But God wants you to prophesy to people. And once again, I don't, I don't know your background, but that doesn't mean this. Tyler, come quick. I could spend all morning on this, Tyler. Just come quick. This doesn't mean this. <laughs> Tyler, I have a word from God for you. <laughs> What's that, Lord? What are you saying, Lord? What are you saying to me right now, Lord? That was it. That was good. That, <laughs> that is about you trying to be a supposed spiritual big shot. That isn't actually about you loving somebody. First Corinthians 14, verse one, follow the way of love. So anything that we would say to somebody that would comfort them and strengthen them and encourage them would be from a heart of love, not trying to make me a big deal because you aren't a big deal. I'm not a big deal. God is. The Holy Spirit, who wants to encourage you and strengthen you. All of the other stuff is just, it's extra, friends. It's extra, unnecessary. If you are delivering words of encouragement to somebody from God, what you can do, you're just the FedEx guy. You're just, the, you're just in the brown UPS suit. That's it. You're just the middleman. Hey, God, oh, this. Here, it's for them. So you're a big deal, and they're really important. I'm just the donkey in the middle. God used a donkey in the Old Testament to speak his message. I just want to be a donkey for Jesus, friends. But it doesn't make me a big deal because the scripture, once again, here, hey, we can all prophesy. Okay, so is that enough? You got it now? I could just go for hours on that subject. So here, we got, we got strengthened. It means to build up, encourage, persuasive discourse, to call somebody out. 
comfort. It means calming. And once again, all of these words have to do with somebody's future. Now, but I can encourage you, I can, I can prophesy to you to be encouraged, to be strong, to access the strength of God. And I would say about all of our futures, that's the best way to live our lives. But you still have a choice. I'm going to choose to walk in the words of God. I'm going to choose to walk in the ways of God. See, once again, we get to... It's, my gosh, they, they said this about the future. They, they prophesied this. But you still got to live it out, guys. You still have to live your lives. And we, and we get amazed at the wrong things. We should be excited about when we actually take in the word of God. And then we live calm. We don't live stressed out. That we live encouraged. That we live challenged, not that just somebody said it, but the beauty, the value is when we live it out. That's the exciting part, not that somebody said it. It's important to say it. We need to say it. But we're going to have these things. We're going we're to build people up. See, God wants you to build people up. God, in your relationships, all of the relationships that I've listed already multiple times today, he wants you to prophesy to those people in your life. What does he want you to do? That means he wants you to build them up. Because why? Sometimes they're going to be down. And so what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to, you're going to hey, hey, hey. I know you're down right now and you're depressed. But let's put our trust in God. That's a prophecy. You don't have to declare, though, in the moment. I just want you to know. I was used of the Lord in that moment to speak a prophecy to you from the Most High God on the throne Almighty. Just prophesy. Build people up. Be persuasive in your discourse. If somebody's messing up their lives with sin... A good prophecy to them is, hey, you really should stop sinning. Because why? That's about their future. And if they stop sinning, their future is better. Are you out there today? Calling them out. Comfort them. Calm. They're worked up. They're freaked out. Circumstances have happened in the past, and right now in the present, they are freaking out. What do we need to prophesy to them, comfort them? Like, the, like Tyler talked about this morning, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Hey, we don't have to, regardless of the circumstances, we don't have to live in a state of confusion or unrest. We can rely on the peace of God that's speaking about their future, this present time. I'm speaking comfort to their future. Such an important thing to do. God wants us all to prophesy. Because why? Sometimes people are, are lacking motivation. They're, they're lacking ambition. They're lazy. So what do they need? They need strength from God. They need courage to move. Sometimes we're feeling fear. We're feeling crushed under circumstances. Sometimes people are uh, 
having broken emotions, what do they need in that moment? They need inspired words of strength and courage to move forward and comfort from the Holy Spirit. What can we provide in that moment? Strengthening words, comforting words, encouraging words, prophecy from the heart of God, friends, from the word of God. Because God has something to say about all of our futures. And I would say as we move forward in maturity, I'm not so much looking for somebody else to make a declaration about my future. I'm going to the word of God. And the word of God says to me, why are you cast down, O my soul, hope in God? That I can go to the sure word of prophecy, the scripture, and encourage myself. Amen. I want my words to be helpful to somebody, but I don't need the recognition for them. Why? Because it's for them. It's to be a blessing to them. All right, so here's some advice from the scripture about what we should say. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. So what, what, what's in verse 31? This is angry words that we're saying. Why? Because we can get angry in relationships, right? Relationships can be hard. But then what, what is the first part of the verses saying? We're, we're going to only speak what is helpful for building others up. This word edify, building up in the New Testament is like building a house. I'm going to build somebody up. And then what am I going to do? That it may benefit those who listen. I need to learn, all of us. I need to learn to speak words that benefit the other person, not just make me look good. What is somebody in my life, what do they need to hear today? What do my friends need to hear? What does my wife need to hear today? She's going to hear tonight, babe, I missed you. <laughs> Next time I'm coming to visit your mother with you. <laughs> I think, I don't know. <laughs> I got to say what's for them. to build somebody else up. See, and this is the type of friend we need to be. This is the type of spouse we need to be. Yeah, but what about them? What about them? What about them? Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I got it. You do you, okay, though? That's all that you can do. That's all that you have control over is the words you say. First, Thess First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, therefore encourage one another. Build each other up, just as in fact you are doing Listen, we need to find the words that fit the moment. Proverbs 29, 20 says this. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than him. See, where we get in trouble with our words is we're, we're quick 
right? We have an emotion, a frustration, an anger, a thing that's quick to respond. And then what is it? It's like a fire set on hell, right? But we, we slow down. If we just slow down, oh, the, I got to build this person up. Proverbs 25 verse 11 says this, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. The words that we say and how we say them. How is it? It's like an apple of gold in a setting of silver. So what's the metaphor? It's actually the thing people will listen to. So in other words, how I'm saying it is equally important as the thing that I'm saying. What, what, is, what is the message? The message is the apple. Well, what is the setting? It's, it's the tray. It's how I'm conveying it to you. See, we could actually say something that somebody needs to say, but if we say it in anger and frustration, no one's listening to say the right words in the right way. How many know that will benefit our relationships? I know they've got some changes to make. Your friends and your spouse and your kids, I get that, your coworkers, but so do you. And these are the things that we can do in like real life relationships. This is why this series is called Real Relationships. This will actually make a real difference in your real relationships. Last thing this morning. I'm just gonna prophesy to you for a second. Because all of us in the room we could be maybe moving, you know, into a new season and moving into a new season can be tough. We can be moving into a new experience and, and a new experience can be tough. Or we can maybe, maybe we could have faced some critics in our lives and we heard some harsh words and some difficult words, but you know that God's word is always speaking to us. Are you out there this morning? And God's word is always strengthening us and encouraging us and comforting us. So I'm going to prophesy to you this morning from the scripture. It's Joshua. He's moving into this leadership role. The children of Israel, Moses has died. And how many of you know this is a difficult new season? How I many you know new seasons are difficult regardless? But I have something from the word of God for you this morning. Will you listen? Joshua 1 verse 5. It says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Are you encouraged by those words today? See, this is what the word of God does for us. No one will be able to stand against you. This is a thought about your future. But hey, friends, we got to live this out. We got to do the word. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And this isn't just for Joshua. This is for you and I. That the Holy Spirit is with us. 
that Moses didn't have a special Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit, the same one you have indwelling you as a believer. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. That you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And those are the words that we need to hear this morning about our future. No one's going to be able to stop us. Man, we're going to be strong and courageous in the midst of that opposition. God is with us like he was with Moses and just like he was with Joshua and just like he was with Jesus. God is with us by his spirit so I can move confidently into the future because of encouraging words. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Let's just, let's just pray. Today. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.